Welcome to the Black Magic Collective podcast presented by Black Magic Design. This podcast is made by filmmakers for filmmakers. Join at blackmagiccollective.com to enjoy free membership and all that comes with it. Now, on with the show. First, let me introduce our, uh, we're gonna, we have two guests. Julian Terry first uh, is a Chicago native. Julian is one of our, your classic self-starters. He, he picked up uh, film, not through sort of the traditional film school market, but actually just through doing it, making various films. I think that probably applies to David to a certain degree as well. But Julian's short film, Don't Peak, is amazing. If you haven't seen it, you should check it out on his site. And we'll look at a bit of that today too. So let's welcome Julian. What's hey, going John? on? Hey. All right. <laughs> hey. All right, so next up is David Sandberg. David S. Sandberg. David started his film education working in a video store, if you remember a video store in, in the day, uh, <laughs> until he could save enough money to buy his own camcorder. He's gone on to direct numerous short films that are all awesome, and we'll feature one of them called Lights Out today. Uh, but he's moved on also to feature films. He's directed Shazam and recently just Shazam 2 and Annabelle Creation. So let's welcome David. Hello. Hey, David. Hey. Hey. I'm moving you around. I'm going to put you guys at top like I did before. All right. All right. So I got to pull up my little questions here. So first of all, let's talk. Um, you guys both did a lot of scary short films and scary movies. So you clearly have some of your favorites. Let's, David, why don't you start us off with what are some of your inspiration scary movies that you came up with? Uh, a lot of stuff a lot of john carpenter and like the classics like wes craven and stuff like that you know love nightmare on elm street when i was a kid that was sort of my end to horror movies i guess yeah uh because they were very creative and just you know with the whole dream factor and everything they were just very creative movies in, in, in so many ways and really fun movies and i've always just um loved horror movies in general because it's such it's a genre where even the bad movies can be entertaining, you know, so you, you can't really go wrong with horror. Right. That's very true. How about you, Julian? Uh, well, I kind of stumbled into it when I was a little kid. My dad used to watch scary movies when I would go to sleep, but I snuck down and saw The Thing when I was five. And uh, <laughs> I don't know, I really fell in love with just uh, like how creative that stuff was, like how the monster could literally be anything. And I just loved the creativity with horror. And, and I just loved watching scary stuff like Are You Afraid of the Dark? That was, I don't know, it was always a key thing as you're like a little kid just watching scary stuff at night. Yeah. So, okay, let's start, start Julian, talk to us about how you come up with your idea. Um, I know for, they're all different, I understand that. But for example, Don't Peek is based on a video game and a little console game or whatever you want to call it, iPad type of game. <laughs> Where did that idea come from? I mean, that's like a children's thing. And then suddenly it evolved into a very dark story. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it, you know, it was all done shot right here in my bedroom. Um, I, it was uh, really kind of close to what happens in the short when I was up one night. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, the, the actress involved, she was uh, my girlfriend at the time. And yeah, I didn't want to wake her. So I just playing my Nintendo Switch at night, just in the dark. And uh, yeah, I was up one, I think it was like at one or two in the morning, you know, when it was in the middle of lockdown. So like there was no real, the sleeping hours were all all, all off. And uh, yeah, I, I had like a little pile of laundry that I heard like this creak and I looked over at the laundry and was just freaked out. So I was thinking like, I was looking, I was playing Animal Crossing at the time. So I was looking and like, it'd be really creepy if like, it was kind of confirmed in the game. And uh, I don't know, it just became kind of a fun idea of like, uh, instead of making a cemetery scary or like an attic scary, it'd be fun to make the most innocent game, the thing that we're all using to uh, kind of relax during this lockdown time as like a form of something that's spooky. Like it just sounded like a fun idea to expand on. Right. And so are all your ideas kind of like motivated like that by some an experience or something that you were doing or i know you've you have other scary films other than mm -hmm. yeah i mean they're all kind of uh you know i'm that same feeling i'm kind of uh i'm definitely you, a scary totally play, playing <laughs> games too late all the time too much and so you're yeah ideas. well like what is it like uh they hear it for example that one's literally a sound that comes from the woods and um that was and i that came to me when i was a little kid that whole idea of like you know, having the window open and hearing like trees and outside, and it freaked me out the idea of hearing something almost calling to you. 
And uh, so that was kind of in my head for a minute. But uh, I know for Whisper, for example, I didn't even have an Amazon Echo, but it was more of hearing something at night and the idea of what if something was telling you there is something out there. And it kind of freaked me out a lot more to think about. I'm like, oh, what if something was like next to you saying, oh, there is something outside. And I don't know, I just like to kind of have fun and just usually go off the fly, you know, yeah. just kind of going off with whatever idea kind of comes up. That's cool. So David with Lights Out just being a good example. I mean, let me just show a clip of it because it's the beginning of it and it'll exemplify the simplicity of the idea, yet how great it is. So hopefully everybody dim their lights because this is nice. Uh, it, it deals with shadows, so you need dim lights. Here we go. I love that. It, you're, so she's turning the light on and off. But where did you come up with that idea? Because it's so simple, yet it is one of the scariest films I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, all of our shorts that Philip and I were, were made and are making are very location based because it, you know there's no budget and it's like, okay, what do we have? We have our apartment, or we have the attic, or or whatever. Um, and that sort of came from that idea of that sort of with your pile of laundry you know seeing that at night where you sort of seem to like oh that coat hanger in the hallway kind of looks like a person and you like you turn on the lights oh it's just a coat hanger but what if like oh there actually is something there every time you turn the light off you know um so it's it's all been very just walking around the house trying to figure out like oh what would be creepy here what could we use like we did one called coffer was like well, we have that old chest. That's kind of creepy. Something could come out of that. And uh, that's kind of how I like to work, even with the features, to have it very location-based. Like in in Annabelle Creation, you know, we're our production designer, Jennifer Spence. Like she put in this old dumbwaiter in the set because it's like, yeah, it's an old house. So you would have a dumbwaiter. And I was like, ooh, like, can we put a kid in one of those? <laughs> you know, and it became <laughs> a whole sequence that, you know, wasn't in the script that, just came out of the set, um, which is why I like, I, I really like just walking around a set or a location, you know, if it's at home and just trying to imagine like, oh, what, what would be scary here? What could be hiding around the corner in, in this thing? Or, um, right. You know, just letting so, the environment inspire the story, I guess. So the interesting, the next logical question is, you both came up with sort of like a, a great, hook you know like oh this is an interesting concept but you have to escalate it so i mean yours david starts with a very strong opening i mean and it does escalate I'm, i won't give it away so people can watch the film but but that's something you have to you do have to like sit down and like map out an escalation of events so that you know where it's going or how do you let's start with you david on lights out how do you get to that end um and still make sure you keep the tension up I think what works well in Lights Out is that it sets that it has that a bit of a scare right away and sort of shows you that, oh, something could jump out at any moment. It shows that right away. So then we can sort of have fun because then not a lot happens until the very end. It's just like, oh, you hear some sounds like she's hiding under the covers and like oh, her hand coming out from to turn the light on. You know, since we have established early on that, oh, shit, anything could just blow, you know, could be a jump scare at any moment. I think all those things kind of work because then you know that, oh, it could come at any moment. And then, yeah. you know, you have to have something at the end to sort of punctuate it with. But, I, yeah, I think that's can be a key that if you've established that it is scary right away, you can draw it out and just... And you, yeah, just make it worse for the character. It's like, oh shit, there's someone outside the room. Oh shit, this something is now inside the room. Oh shit, the the light inside the room is now going down. So it's just like, yeah, trying to think like, what's the worst thing that could happen in this moment? And then you, then you do that, and how could it get even worse for the character? That right. Kind of, yeah. 
So the other thing that is important in Lights Out, and I think it is also in Don't Peek, um, is the, and I think in all horror films, is that you have that big hit at the beginning in this case. Um, but then there's there's a moment to let the audience relax. That's because <laughs> they don't necessarily relax, but you have, is it like the scare capital that you've, you've developed that in that first scare and now that's going to linger for a period of time and you can actually do some normal things but the tension is going to retain and maybe fade slightly. Is that important? And then you hit them again to before it dissipates. Is that something that is, you think about? Uh, how about let's start with you, David? Since you're yeah, um, no, definitely. And it's always tricky as well, especially when you're doing like jump scares and things because people are anticipating so much. I mean, even in Lights Out, you know, she turns the light on and off like one time too many, just because it's like, like <laughs> because you. you it's it's about like breaking that rhythm, which is so hard to like come out of left field because everyone's like, oh, it's gonna come something here, and then you have to like not give it there, but a little later or a little too early or something like that, which is is hard because this is why I kind of love horror video games because I find them to be really scary because they don't have those cues of like, oh, something's about to come now because you're like controlling it yourself and that that's something i'm really trying to like how can you translate that more to to film and i think yeah. part of it is probably not giving things away with music cues and things like that i think a lot of horror movies features especially sort of telegraph or signal that oh here's a scare or here's nothing and then the big scare so it, it's always a, a challenge i think the other thing is to when i find it most unexpected is when um, somebody is built up in the beginning, even if it's an, 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 like a not a you know famous face actor, um, and they get killed off, like you know about a very no, early no part of the film kind of thing. Yeah, you don't <laughs> expect that, and then you suddenly it throws everything in the loop because you're like, oh, I don't know what to expect now. You know, um, Julian, on your film um, in this particular, we're going to focus on these two because it's too many films you guys have made, but these are the two we can go with now. So don't peek. I mean, it's it, similarly. It's almost all really normal in the beginning. As a matter of fact, let's watch the beginning of Don't Peek right now. I think the weird thing about that is that I don't think you, because of the way it's set up from moment one, and I think it's the music and we can talk about the importance of music, but the music is creating the tension. If you would have put like, you know, happy go lucky music there in the beginning, not from the game, um, I don't think we would have known, but your cues seem to be, you know, let's hit them, let's let them know this is going to be bad because otherwise you're just looking at a children's game. So. Talk about building that kind of first moment tension so that from the first cut and the first few cuts before anything's really seen or she hears anything, we're already stressed out. So what's up with that? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I think what's fun is, um, you know, I, I think, you know, Dave, you were talking a little bit about it was, um, I think we're so used to the usual type of scares. We see all these shorts, there's so many online, you know, um, how do you do something different? How do you kind of switch it up? And I think, you know, obviously, yeah, I, I really wanted to find like a motif that really kind of hit hard. And 
that was that fun little stringy sound pulling away from the lamp in the beginning, which was right here. Uh, but yeah, it was it was all about like, okay, we're gonna hint that it's going to get scary. And that's the promise you're kind of giving the audience. And what I'm trying to do is show a character that's kind of, that's sometimes in the audience position. Like there's a lot of YouTube commenters that are like, I'm sitting in my bed this exact same, in this exact same position. And uh, I think what's fun is just showing like, hey, it's like a relaxing time of night when you're gonna pass out and she's just playing Animal Crossing. And I love, I really wanted to experiment a little bit with um, kind of what I'm doing with uh, this feature is playing on uh, the idea of wonder. I take a lot of uh, cues from kind of Spielberg and I, I love Jurassic Park. That's one of my favorite movies. I got like a T-Rex head right here. I mean, I love uh, Jurassic Park so much because it, you know you watch this movie where the it does have a fun cold open, but uh, yeah, for most of it, it's this wonder that you're, you've seen these dinosaurs and it's like, oh, we're learning about them. I haven't seen the T-Rex yet. And all of a sudden at an hour in the T-Rex paddock, all the power shuts off and they're right there. The T-Rex emerges and it's scary. And you're like, it's one of the best set pieces. Um, but it works so well because we've been in this idea of wonder of like, oh, this is really cool. What's gonna happen? And all of a sudden, oh my gosh, it drops way harder. You're not expecting the scare then. You're you're still in Wonderland. And uh, I kind of wanted to try a little bit of with that with Don't Peek was, oh, she's kind of playing this weird game where she's pushing this button on the drawer and it drawer's opening, you know. Um, I have to thank my uh, roommate and best friend, Alex Anderson, who produced this, and he also played the monster. Uh, he really pushed me for this shot where it literally, we put the camera really high up and basically mimic the angle of uh, the video game. And it really worked out well where we mimic literally the same position she is in the bed in the video game as well as from uh, above. And uh, yeah. it really kind of, it's really subtle little hints that okay, what we're gonna be doing is playing on the video game idea of like, oh, she's playing this game, but the game's gonna be playing her later on. And it's really fun to kind of play with those little, um, these little subtle hints to what's gonna happen next. Yeah, and there's a lot to also using children's things. <laughs> David <laughs> with Annabelle, it's like, talk about creeping out anything. You can take almost anything that a kid would use, especially if it's older and it just, it, you know, you put the weird music to it and suddenly it's no longer a friendly little kids thing. And I think that's the success. Annabelle, now Annabelle creation was kids, right? So yeah. it still was that creepy kind of using the kid elements. And that's really interesting as well. How yeah, I don't know why kids are so creepy, but it's... <laughs> well, I, <don't> have kids. <laughs> I think kids with a soundtrack, with a creepy soundtrack. Yeah, so, and, uh, yeah. it is not. Uh, I, um, I think so, it feels like just that they're sort of naive and kind of open to things. And then it's like, oh, you have a, an imaginary friend? What? And he's telling you to kill? Yeah, yeah the innocence <laughs> innocence being twisted. Yeah, it's always awesome. Um, so one thing you brought up, Julian, that I think it's, it's you did a lot of really creative camera moves. Um, oh, actually, let's, Kayla, let's see. You had a question that was applicable? Kayla's in the back doing her magic. I don't know, maybe she did or not. Um, <laughs> we'll wait for that to pop up again, uh, if it does. Your camera work was really unique. But the, I, again, I show you the contrast between those two films. David, yours is very straightforward. I mean, you have really two cuts in that one scene. That is, you know, there's more to the film, obviously. But it, equally as scary for both of them, um, David, how do you feel? And you've done larger format, obviously, scary movies. So how important is like inventive camera angles or is it really about what you build in the frame rather than how you manipulate the frame? Um, yeah, it depends. I mean, there's something really nice about long tracking shots in horror movies where you don't have cuts, you know, uh, in, in some of the shorts, I haven't really been able to do that because I've been so limited with my little shitty dolly that I built myself that only goes backwards and forth. But that was a great thing about making features like now oh now you have proper dollies and steady cams you can actually follow someone through a whole space which is it's really nice to do but you can get away with not doing it like we do in the shorts and just focus more on what's happening in the space i guess rather than exploring the space in the same way right yeah. what do you think julian you because you used a lot more angles and like you said the overhead shot which is really effective but you know how how do you 
choose those angles to create that sense of fear or tension at least? Um, well, I, so what is it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was, I literally, I think Dave and I are in kind of a similar situation when we did those because, you know, like I was just using what we had, the gear that was laying around in our apartment and, um, like literally, uh, the slider track I wish I had next to me, uh, it's just a cheap ICANN slider that was like hundred bucks a few years ago and the thing's super wobbly. I have to like stabilize every shot to use it, but it's really just, uh, I think like a foot and a half or something like that. But with the being on such a wide lens, it was just um, the zoom, uh, I think it was like an 18 mil on that thing. And it, you know, when you just make the subtlest move, it feels way bigger. And I love kind of just introducing, you know, like the space is literally right where I'm at, where just the camera went from the lamp, tracked around my room and pushed into Katie there. And uh, what I loved about it was, um, you know, I kind of wanted to give it a little bit of a love to those movies that, you know, like kind of Spielberg movies where you kind of push in and we introduce our character in a fun way. And um, yeah, I really love just staying right next to her face. And the camera is really static for most of it because um, it's really just, it's on her face or it's literally in her POV of the video game. And the pocket was so tiny, I was able to just literally fit it between her face and the game. Um, and there's a couple of shots actually on my Instagram where it's just so funny where we've been trying to work with her with this thing. But yeah, the a lot of times it's just, yeah, it's her POV. And then we get to also see uh, the doorway, you know, you kind of, it's a lot of times static, cause, you know, it's something that gets so distracting with movements. You don't want that when you're really building up an actual scare. A lot of times when I'm, you know, working on an actual scare, scary shot, the camera's mostly static. Um, but yeah, when, you know, things are moving, there's ex excitement. I like to give a subtle move. Uh, there's a good shot where I remember the whole, in my head, I thought like the whole short hinged on one shot and that was when the everything drops. It's when she's playing the game and she turns off the last light and uh, it's just a subtle push into her face. But uh, like, that's when we notice she sees something in the game that sh shouldn't be in there. And like her legs drop them music starts to change in the video game. We we customized the music to make it this really fun video gamey thing that we switched it into the score. Alex Winkler brought it home for that. And um, yeah, it was basically this one shot just pushing into her face and we, that's our kind of hint that, oh, everything's about to change in the short now. We went from this fun side to now it's gonna be scare city. And uh, yeah, it was fun. Those subtle Where did you get are always great as well. Do a lot of those often like little digital pushes in mm -hmm. holes just to get a slight creep, just so you feel that something is off. Um, I do that a lot in features as well. Yeah, and it, you know, so that little kind of gives the audience you're, you're focusing in, you know, and people are like almost leaning in with that, you know, emotionally to see what's about. But even if nothing's there, it adds so much tension because you're expecting that either jump or just a, the subtlest reveal of stuff. There's in Julian, you're, I don't think I ever noticed this because I, I probably was something I was supposed to notice, but I never did. The first shot of the doorway, there's a little steam or breath, right? It's a little incense on. Yeah. I, uh, oh, okay. I thought <laughs> yeah, it was a breath. Or it's creeped me out this time. I was just watching it. I was like, Oh my God, there's <laughs> something weird by the door, but it's incense. Yeah, was it actually I, I supposed like, to be something or was it incense? It was incense. Uh, I just want, what I want to do is kind of keep the audience on edge because it's really fun to watch the reaction videos where people are like, what is that? What is that? And, you know, like it's kind of fun to mess with the audience the whole time. You know, uh, there's a lot of times actually where the monster's hiding in the doorway, but your eyes are focused on the switch. So you're not even seeing it creeped up there. And so some people notice it in reaction videos and it's really fun. Some don't, and it's this, uh, it's a, something to keep you on your toes. And I think it's just fun, but yeah, the incense thing, I also, I don't know, I, I, it's maybe just a thing I have with compression on YouTube and digital sensors, but you know, with film, you know, you're looking at a static shot and you know it's static, but sometimes, you know, when it's so clean, sometimes it looks like just a, a solid, just picture, you know, like a still frame. And so I like to give a little movement to the st static shots, you know, I like to give it a little something, but, um, so that was kind of a little bit of the idea for the incense side. That's a good idea, but, yeah. So David, um, where you? what's your lighting rig like when you do some of these at home? Not the features. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, 
It sort of depends. It's been, we've made a couple of shorts without, I mean, on, on Lights Out, it was one like cheap redhead knockoff I bought of eBay, one of those redhead lights. Mm-hmm. And it was one Ikea rice uh, ball, paper ball, paper lantern kind of thing where you just put a bulb inside. Um, and it was like a little a higher wattage bulb to put in the bedside table. I think that was it, really. Because so it was like for the harder light, it was that um, the um, the redhead, and then for some softer, you know, bringing up, it was the the paper ball. And I love yeah. those paper balls. I use the, the, those a lot. Just they're so cheap, and you just put a light inside, and you get really soft light, and it, it yeah. falls off really quickly. Um, you can rent one of those for a feature film, the you know the China ball. They probably cost like a thousand dollars to rent, but you almost get the same effect. In a small scale, and that, that's the thing with a lot of equipment. I find that, you know, the 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 expensive feature film version of it is just it's so expensive because it's made to last or to yeah. you know be <laughs> to really be you know not handled well and, and and you know, but a cheap paper lantern like that can give you the same result. It just it's going to fall apart. It, you know, yeah. it's, it's not going to last for very long. But that's sort of the thing with yeah. A lot of cheap gear can still give you a very similar result. It just won't, you know, it yeah, can be a little bit more of a hassle to use and it won't last as long. One time use possibly. Yeah. I used to teach people to get, you can get those like Home Depot, big blasty lights that are in a little frame that they're just like a bulb and just shoot it against, not against, but through a sheet or something. And you get a big soft source. That's nice. That way it's the light's not the best in the world, but you know, for no mu- budget, it, works well so julianne julianne sorry i have a friend named julianne julianne uh do you what did you do for your lighting rig there in in your actual room uh well so it was really funny actually um i i came from i did a lot of cinematography when i um you know before directing these horror shorts so i like to get a little creative with it and uh yeah don't peek it was really fun because we um we have these little intellitech lights that these Alex just bought randomly like two months right before lockdown happened. And um, so we had two of those. And so one of them I pretty much just stuck in the ceiling up there to kind of give her like a little bit of hair lights. And then the other one, since they're foldable, I like, I'd love to actually put a light outside the window and give her real proper moonlight, but uh, we couldn't get up because I'm six, I'm the sixth floor over here. Uh, So what we did was uh, basically since these lights fold up, I pretty much just had it held in like a V formation, tied it up onto my blinds up there and uh, with some rope. And then, um, yeah, one side was, it's, it was just blue and I put some party gels on there. So it really pushed the blue to that level. And basically one side's hitting the screen of the window and the other side's hitting the bed. So it kind of looks like the light's kind of coming through the window. And I was like, I don't think anyone's going to be looking and saying, the light's coming up from the inside of the room. What's up with that? Um, but I was like, eh, you know, no one's going to be paying attention to the window. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like that, most of it like was that. We had, the other light was uh, my desk lamp with some blue gel on it. That was our moonlight whenever we looked out the doorway. Um, but the big funny thing was the key light was the actual Nintendo Switch. Um, yeah. The that pocket was able to go ahead and be at like a 1250 ISO and it's clean Shot for that tool ISO. Pocket 6K, the Blackmagic Pocket The 6K? 4K. 4K. The okay. 4K one. And uh, what was cool is, yeah, we literally just used the switch. And so what made it tricky was, uh, yeah, like the first couple shots, I wasn't, ma- I didn't master it quite yet, but we figured out, oh, if we just colored the, <laughs> the room in Animal Crossing, we colored it like peach color, it reflected back in the face nicely and it kind of gave her better skin tone. And so, uh, yeah, well, she's actually playing Animal Crossing while we're recording it. And so the funny thing is she's walking with her key light. So crossing across the bed, it's literally, um, she's holding her key light. So I literally have to direct her to land it in the right position. So it hit her face. And, uh, you know, I did a few little experimenting with even giving, so you'll notice in the beginning shot, she has really nice hair light. It's lit nicely. It kind of reminds me a lot of a lot of movies from the nineties, like horror movies that I loved where it was very nice studio lighting. Like there was a light from above and there's, it feels very safe. It kind of um, felt very Nightmare on Elm Street, didn't it? Dave? Yeah, exactly. Kind <laughs> of very like, yeah. 
um, and what so, I wanted to, yeah, oh, ahead, real quick, I was going to say, uh, what I did was <laughs> when the lights go off and, you know, stuff gets real, uh, I purposely kill the hair light. So it never turns back on. You stay in this world of natural light, pretty much, where it's pretty much just the switch and the lamp behind her. And there's no extra light from like the hair light or anything like that. And so yeah. that kind of made it feel a little more realistic that you're literally in the middle of the night. There's nothing safe around you. There's nothing extra lit for you. It's just literally a lamp. And I think that really kind of brought it home. Amazing. So I'm, I'm getting to a point here, which I'll make in a second, but we'll go back to David real quickly. What do you do for music? Because music's so critical for horror films. And, and also talk a little bit about what I would just call the sting. You know, there's always the music. And then yeah. everybody uses it. Like right at the scare moment, there's a big burst of music. And how important is that? And have you ever not used that and had it work? Yeah, I mean, the music is important, but I think it's also sort of, not to overdo it, which has been easy in the shorts because like I have to do the music myself, so it's not very advanced. It's mostly sort of the rumbly, lower, um, low frequency stuff um, and little, because I think there is a tendency, that, that was the big challenge on my first feature, uh, Lights Out, working with the sound team just, and, and the music, uh, it's just a tendency of overdoing it and certainly like telegraphing things and that that's what i tried to avoid so not telling you that oh something's about to happen so it's more tonal to just set that mood of like oh something feels a little off this sort of tonal rumbly things um and for the stings yeah i mean some people kind of think it's cheap with the jump scares kind of thing i think if you do a jump scare that's earned if you build up to it if it's doesn't come out of nowhere i think it it can work um but i also try to not always do that i mean even in lights out that final shot you know because i have that big sting in the that first scare and then that final shot of the monster i actually like scaled it down i took that same sting but took out a bunch of the stuff a lot of, of the really hard hitting stuff to just have it a little softer because i thought that oh that scary face is going to be enough you know you want a, a little something but you don't have to overdo it if yeah. if the visual is, is scary enough uh, yeah and, and that's so quick and it the visual is impactful like you said so you're just gonna nobody's gonna be paying attention to a big music thing it's just gonna feel heavy and you get cut out pretty quickly right after that too so it's done yeah yeah it feels like the movie is over by that point and also that's another part of the limitations that a lot of those like that that face is a, a 2d solution solution so it's like yeah. mostly photoshop and stuff so and blender so you can't really be on it for too long anyway you just give it a glimpse and then then you're out and that's enough and i, I think that's a nice thing with shorts as well that you can get away with that and features you can get away with it but a lot of times at least towards the end i think people want to see something yeah. to feel satisfied you know but that's pretty inventive that in that the shadows as much as possible. I think that was, I didn't even realize that was like a Photoshop thing. That was pretty amazing. It's yeah, I mean, that's me, so. what I'm able to do, you know, take Lotta's face and Photoshop it and just do a little Morphe stuff. So it's not completely static. And that's what we've done in every short where there's like a demon face or something like that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So Julian, what about you and music? You said you had a composer, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, what's, well, um, uh, my buddy, uh, who's been on literally since uh, the nurse short. Um, yeah, he was this guy that was available pretty much. And I was like, oh, let's just start talking. And, um, you know, he's, he was a friend of a friend. And um, yeah, this guy, Alex Winkler, uh, super creative guy. I love kind of working with certain people like my favorite gaffers I used to work with. And uh, like Alex, like these people, they almost over give me way more than I need and I can just go ahead and subtract it later on. Yeah. So I, I, you know, it's so funny when like, I think it was for Don't Peak, yeah, or Whisper, like he gives me so much. And so I just get to go ahead and say, uh, love this, let's use this, I wanna stay in the moment, but let's grab this. And it's really great, like he gets so inventive and we try to always change it up. Um, coming up with like video game music, for example, was really fun because I was pretty much just giving him all these video games from certain uh, certain eras that I was like, okay, this theme works, this theme works, let's find something in between here. You know, for they hear it, we decide, I was like, I wanna play something that feels unexpected because 
the monster is a sound. So I don't want to interrupt thing with the score. So the score became something very different. It became uh, playing the violin wrong. And I was like, okay, yeah, we got a cheap violin string and stuff. And then we snapped the string, but it was so creepy and eerie. We stretched the music out in this sure. really off-putting way. And I don't know, it makes it a lot of fun, but don't overdo it with score though in your shorts, especially if it's just a moment and trying to capture it. It can be very much like they were saying, like you can telegraph so much. And, you know, obviously with certain films like dramas and stuff, you know, you can, you want to embrace the score, but, you know, it depends on what you're going for too. I think, um, you know, when it comes down to like a little scare shorts like this, I think the most effective stuff is when you're sitting in silence and you're sitting in those moments and really just listening to every little creak and crack that happens around you. Yeah, trying to hear, trying to hear stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so it makes you lean. You both help. You both help me make my point, which a lot of the point we make here at Black Magic Collective is is that you don't need a lot of tools to make a film. A lot of people are like, I don't have the right camera. I don't have the right lights. Clearly, you guys are very successful at making excellent films with very little. So I think it's really important to remember that. Um, let's go to some questions. Kayla, did you have? You said you have a bunch of good ones. So here's Eliza, I think I pronounced it, a question for Julian. How did he get attention from the picture company going to festivals or for both? Is it less, so is it better to do the festival circuit or simply short? So first, Julian, how did you how did you get attention for explain what happened there so people understand with what yeah, the so, picture company is and what they did? And so the picture company is a, a fantastic producing company. Um, and yeah, they both they snagged both uh, they hear it and whisper. And um, basically, yeah, I mean, it was right after uh, David had held the contest uh, for the Anvil Creation Contest. And that was, you know, my first horror short I ever did. I, I loved, um, I did so many comedies at BuzzFeed and I was like, oh, this is really fun. I want to do some more. And so um, I think our meeting got pushed from like October to like November 7th or something like that. And I decided to make Whisper in that time. It was like a week for Halloween, basically threw it together and, um, Another short that was in my room, uh, but yeah, that was uh, that got a lot of attention online. It kind of exploded on Halloween and um, really blew up on Reddit and stuff. And that really kind of uh, carried me through a lot of meetings and stuff. And I started just talking to more people. And then um, uh, when it came to they hear it, they hear it was going to be the first one where I was like, "This is going to be an actual proof of concept." The other ones were just making a fun short film that was just a capturing moment, but they here was the first one I was like, okay, this is the opening scene for a movie. Um, and so it was like, you know, it's nine minutes long. It's a very long short, uh, long short. And so uh, I basically, we, we planned this out. We shot it in the beginning of, I think uh, 2018. And it was so much fun to just put together. And it was very extreme. Like it had two kids on the age of 10 and a dog all shot at night. My DP gave up. He got sick within like a, a little bit of time, and I take over. It was it, everything that could go wrong went wrong, but and it snowed on us, and it was like ridiculous. But that short ended up. Um, I was doing color. I was working at uh, Pixel Mondo, this visual effects house at the time, and uh, basically, Whisper got the attention of the picture company, and um, basically from there they asked, "What else do you have? Is there something you're working on?" And I said, "Oh, I well, I just." have they hear it up. I haven't even put it online yet. Um, and I snuck the log line I had into the description for it and they loved it. And they were like, can we just talk about where you think this movie could go? And I pitched them the whole movie on the phone and they came aboard. And uh, then I basically, everything happened so quickly. I had to literally <laughs> put together this whole treatment stuff and pitch in studios and it was really exciting. And then uh, yeah, Great. Whisper it went so smoothly that Whisper was like, uh, they were like, why don't we do something here? And then that, uh, went to Amblin and you know Spielberg loved the short and yeah it's kind of yes amazing it's kind of fun you know uh, Jacob Chase was really helpful in that whole process um, just like you know basically he ended up writing out the script for Whisper and it was really an exciting thing just to have uh, these other filmmakers kind of come rally together to help out yeah that's great that's pretty awesome so David how did you go from because you were doing short films as well. Did you just put them on YouTube or did you go to festivals or how did you get your attention initially? Yeah, I mean, to me, I always recommend putting it online. I mean, I've been to film festivals, which is fun. I mean, especially if it's like, if you win an award or something, that's cool. But everything that's happened to me has happened because of people seeing it online. You know, like the lights out went viral online and that's why 
people here in Hollywood saw it and that's why I'm here now, you know? So it's like, and it, I think it's just the best way to reach a big audience. And, and you know, it's, it, to me, it feels like it's up, up your chances that the right people will see it. Um, so you but, put it online, but how did you kind of spread the word to get that I, sort of I, I growing? Didn't. <laughs> I oh, didn't. you did? No, it, it happened organically, which was a, okay. a big surprise that it just people started sharing it. And, uh, you know, so... Let's make you, good stuff. I guess. And get lucky. <laughs> yeah. I would, well, that was great. Yeah, I, would, I would say real quick, something that I always say to people, like, you know, I worked at BuzzFeed for a good while, and what you want to do is really, I think it's always about coming up with something that can be quick and catchy. You know, that's the stuff that usually takes off online, and they would knock it out of the park with, like, you know, making something that just, it catches you so quick within the first 20 seconds, you're already freaked out. And I think um, that's something that can be shared very easily. Sometimes you can do a hook like, you know, with animal, like Don't Peek, it was an Animal Crossing horror short. So it was like, oh, this is fun. It's like, okay, it's, uh, you know, this game that's really creepy and it blew up on the, the video game side of things and all these websites. But, you know, I think it's important to I always say get loud with your short, you know, have fun, do something experimental, do something that is a little different from the rest that we're seeing. We're seeing so many come out and some of them, like I have, uh, you know, like I know David knows some of these people too, but like there's people that are in the same circle that I know that made shorts, these horror shorts that, uh, you know, you don't see them online yet, but they're like, some of them cost 60, 50, 60 grand to make and some of them cost over hundred grand. So that's your competition to like break in and some of them literally just look like, you know, knockoffs of different horror movies and stuff. And sometimes they, they're able to pay for huge cinematographers. And I think the big thing you can do is show that you're different, you know, do something that's very creative and that's you. And I always tell people like, do something that's outside the box, you know, with something that you can change up and compete with that with like a different story. Yeah, I think what, what really helped lights out is that it is so short as well. It's like two and a half minutes and there's no dialogue in it. so people all over the world can see it and share it, you know? Um, so yeah, keep, keeping it short, I think is good just because, you know, you don't have any attention span these days. So if you see like, oh, 20 minutes short, no, I'm not going to watch that, but yeah, two and a half minutes. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel also that you guys did, you've done a lot of short films, both of you. So it's like, don't be afraid to experiment with particularly this genre. I think, imagine you need to experiment, you know, a drama, might be a little bit more simple about the acting, not that that's simple, but it's a different approach. Whereas a scary movie, it's a technique that you both have developed. And so in some senses where you've practiced over and over again by doing different films and different ideas, do you feel that's contributed to where you are success-wise? I think horror movies in particular are very technical in, in a sense. It is about timing and it is about very technical things about the lighting and how you stage it and all that, which is, very good stuff to learn because I mean with like a drama or something like that for example if you have good actors and you know you don't have to get too technical and a good story but with horror especially it, yeah there's a lot of things that has have to go right for it to work which I think is why you see a lot of directors come from horror and then go on to do like superhero yeah. movies or whatever because you learn a lot about movie making just from horror that makes sense uh, Kaylee got another question here like she's triggering so quickly. Uh, Jimmy says, when making a short horror film, how much logical foundation is needed to make sure the audience believes the scenario being shown, but also suspends their disbelief in the story? This is pretty technical. Uh, do you want to take that, David? I mean, I think logic, the lack of logic can sometimes be scarier. I mean, David Lynch makes some pretty scary scenes and it's like, you don't really get the logic behind them. And that's what sort of works because it's like, it, it doesn't make sense in many ways. And that's scary. Uh, and I think in shorts, especially, you don't have to think too much about sort of the logic behind it, as long as it's off, off putting and like, and, and weird in a way. And that's, that's something I, I think people think they want that more than they do. Cause that, that was the thing with the lights out feature film. You know, we, we did test screenings of it and the audience was like, oh, we want to know more about Diana and her backstory, like the, the ghost, you know, why, why, how it all came to be. I was like, oh, OK. So we went out and shot additional photography to show like, oh, this is how this is how she was as a kid. And this is what happened. 
And then when, when the movie came out and people saw it, they were like, oh, it's too much backstory. It's not scary because they, they explained the whole thing. <laughs> you, because, you know, people, they're like, oh, I want to know more. But it's not always good to explain too much or give them too much because when you do, they're like, oh, well, now it's not scary anymore. Yeah, it makes sense. Julian, do you agree? Yeah, I mean, I think it's funny. When, uh, you know, one of my favorite movies that freaked me out as a kid was Poltergeist. And it's like, there's a tree that's trying to eat a kid. There's a tornado that's like trying to gobble them to. And it's like, what, what is this? Doesn't make any sense, but it still terrifies me. It was a fantastic film. I think there's, there's moments though that happen in films when a character makes a decision that feels forced. And that's the stuff that makes me go, I don't know about that. You know, um, like why would this happen? Um, you know, I know that it definitely, like for Don't Peak, the feature, it's more aimed towards uh, a younger kid that's playing the game and doing these cool things. And so that makes more sense than more of an adult, you know, exploring some weird thing like that. And I think there's different ways you can be like turned off and you don't want to lose your audience. I think it's about always, you can show fantastical things, but make sure your characters react in an interesting way that feels believable. Yeah, I think by nature of being a scary movie, you're you're already saying these things that are not plausible are happening and it's the reaction of the people how they deal with that so you obviously have to defy some logic because otherwise i mean unless you completely believe in ghosts and and scary things and you're like ah that just sounds normal to me yeah in in shorts i found that there isn't really much time always to be have the characters do the logical thing because you kind of well she kind of has to go into that room because otherwise we don't have a short you know so you kind of have to force them into that but in the features i sort of loved playing into that fight like in in the lights out feature you have like the character brett the boyfriend who's actually like coming up with these he's doing what you should do like when the ghost shows up he runs away and gets the cops you know and the same thing in annabelle creation when things go down uh, start happening, you know, the, the girls, they call the cops, because why not? I mean, in a lot of mm -hmm. movies, you have people like, oh, there's no cell phone connection out here, or we don't have phones, but it's like, well, no, let them call the cops. What are they? They're not going to teleport there. It's like, there's still a lot of bad shit that can happen before the cops <laughs> right. come up. You know? It's yeah. fun to have those characters that actually do what you would or should do, but you can still have things go bad for them, you know? Yeah. They can even verbalize sometimes that's the humor that relieves the tension <laughs> briefly, which is I'm not going in that room. Yeah. And then, yeah. So yeah, you wouldn't either. So what do we have? Kayla, we have another question. She said we had a bunch. So uh, this one time says when creating your sequences, what do you keep in mind as a director to maximize the tension and terror of that particular scene? Hmm. Uh, Julian, let's start with you. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, you know, I, I think what's interesting is, you know, the maximized tension and terror sequences. I think it's interesting. Um, I love, I realized, you know, when I did Whisper originally, that was going to be like a way shorter short film, but I was like, oh, I should, I want to sit in this moment longer. I want to sit in this POV. And, you know, what scared me the most growing up were these found footage movies. I loved video games, those scary video games freaked me out as a kid. And I, I, too much. And, I was like, how do I capture that? And I love, the thing that always got me was uh, perspectives, you know, when you're able to go ahead and look around the corner, you weren't hiding behind a character, like in a movie, you were looking, look, turning their controller there. And I wanted to do that with um, my horror shorts and kind of my style was just kind of staying in the perspective as much as possible. And so sometimes I'll literally live in there as long as I can. Um, and just really try to like lean forward and look, and it makes it a little more exciting uh, to just stretch it out as long as you can. You know, just that's why I really pulled. Like, Don't Peak should have been like a two minute short if I made it a few years ago, but I was like, I really want to see how long you can pull it. And you know, also the if we had no monster effects or anything, we just had a mask, and you know, it's Alex's <laughs> in his underwear, and I was like, okay, yeah, it doesn't look scary. <laughs> that's too at much all. information. It, we don't need to. Know yeah, that. you know. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like if I like, for example, the the blanket shot where he's, he's hiding under the blanket. If you saw that in the first thirty seconds, it would not be scary at all. Like it's like, oh, it's just someone under a blanket. It doesn't feel creepy to me. But after you've been, if you've been kind of gone on this little ride of like, oh, you have been tortured by this invisible creature, and it's been 
haunting you. And then you finally see something, it's scary no matter what it is, you know? And I think it's really fun that you could get away with showing something that would look really silly to somebody. But if you show it to them after taunting them for so long, it becomes something terrifying. Yeah. That makes sense. David, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, you want to draw draw things, uh, stretch things out as much as you can. And one, one way to do that is, like I was saying earlier, like just keep making it worse for your characters. Like, okay, now, yeah, now you're trapped in a... Mm -hmm. Now you're trapped in this room, and oh, now there's a ghost in this room, and now the the lights are starting to break. So you like have that like oh, this just getting worse and worse. Even when they're trying to do something, or like an animal creation, like you're trapped in a barn, but she's gonna get the axe, but the axe breaks, and now the lights are going out. Mm -hmm. she's, she's gonna fix that, and now that that thing breaks, and so it's yeah, trying to find those little moments of like, well, what would be even worse in this situation? <laughs> How could I? torture this character even more and that, that will help you with sort of stretching it out i think do you just let i think we don't have any more time but i want to ask one follow-up to that is do you feel that a lot of the tension i mean you have it in your mind and you shoot it that way but do you feel you're building it in editorial yeah very much yeah i would say that I mean, that's where, I mean, that's where you kind of find movie it. movie sort of happens in editorial. And that's where you find out like, oh, shit, this didn't work at all the way I thought. Or this thing <laughs> that I was doubtful about is actually turning out pretty good. Uh, see, it's it's hard to know before you start putting some music and sound in there and you actually start seeing how it cuts together. Because uh, you can have all these plans, but then you, you, you know, the edit is the final rewrite kind of thing. Yep, that's very true. Uh, Julian, any last thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think the best thing you can do is just, I don't know, like, you know, Dave was talking about it was, you know, it, like experimenting on the location, you know, literally live in it for a bit. And I love to just, you know, play pretend, you know, when I was, uh, it was really fun to actually work with kids with, you know, the nurse and uh, they hear because, you know, you're dealing with kids and you're just playing pretend. You, I love to play scary music on set because all those sounds get added in post for me. So I love to just go ahead and really just live in it. I make a playlist the whole time and I'll just go ahead and say, oh, there's something here. There's something uh, like peer around this corner. And, you know, I remember for Whisper, Michelle was having, uh, we had to really sell this creepy shot where she's peering around the corner. And so what I did was I I hid behind the corner with a mask on and said, peer around the corner and see if you can find me. And she's like, she's like, oh my God, I don't want to. And I'm like, come on, come on. And she started leaning forward and she looks so creeped out. And I'm like, that stuff is so much fun. You know, have fun on set. It should be really helped also when I, you know, camera operating, you can feel how long a shot should be because you're playing the scary music around you and it's just fun to kind of have everybody hanging out and playing pretend. That's I'm great. Never, so never tried playing music on set. I need to need to try that. Have to get it. <laughs> yeah, and since you often do ones without dialogue, then it's perfect. So yeah. uh gentlemen, thank you so much. You were outstanding. Uh hopefully people will chase you down and and look at your <laughs> shorts and your features, uh particularly Julian upcoming. And uh we thank you so much for being part of the stream. Thank uh, you. We'll talk soon. Bye bye. You've been listening to the Black Magic Collective Podcast. If you're having fun talking tech and the biz with us, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Please leave reviews as it helps others find the show so we can keep making great content for you. We're also on all of your favorite podcast apps, as well as YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Please visit blackmagiccollective.com to join and be part of the filmmaker community. All of our events and programs are free to filmmakers thanks to our presenting sponsor, Black Magic Design.